0: Hey, I'm Jeremy Owens, and I'm the host of On Watch by Market Watch, a new podcast about the financial news we've got our eyes on. Every week, we'll bring you inside the Market Watch newsroom, where our reporters and editors break down the stories that are driving markets and zoom out to explore what those headlines really mean for you and your wallet. Listen to new episodes of On Watch by Market Watch every Thursday. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to At Barons. I'm Andy Serwer, and welcome to our guest, Jane Fraser, CEO of Citi. Jane, nice to see you. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Oh, thank you for joining us in our head office here in New York. It's lovely. It is. It's, uh, it's a wonderful day here.
1: I want to ask you about an announcement that you put out to your bank recently. It was an update to a significant and multi-part Restructuring that the bank is going through right now. There were reports that you're looking to reduce the headcount by 10%, and I'm wondering if that's accurate.
2: Well, let me put this in context. Uh, we're on a deliberate path. That started when we set the vision and the strategy for City, um, and we've we've re- we've really refreshed the strategy for the whole firm. We've been executing against that, and the next logical step that we referred to at our investor day will be simplifying the organisation in line with the bank that we now are so earlier on this year we completed all of our divestitures in of our consumer franchises in Asia and that enabled us to enact the next step in the journey that we're on which is to simplify the bank
1: right and I understand you're going to have five divisions there's actually another piece as well but five operating divisions Mm -hmm. but why not Jane do it in one fell swoop why does it take these multiple steps
2: oh so it we've well when we think of the vision, the strategy, and then you put the structure in place. So to my mind, it, it's, it is this journey that we're going through. We're an organisation of 240,000 people. Um, you can't do it in one fell swoop when you're looking at not just reorganising to put an organisation model that fits with the strategy of the bank, we're a different bank now, but it was also about simplifying the organisation. So, it's a lot of change and you certainly need to go that uh, at pace but layer by layer through the organisation. Usually when you get to about layer four, which we will be in January, we'll then be able to cascade the rest of the changes through pretty quickly by the end of the first quarter. So, by all of the typical playbooks that are out there, we're doing this quickly.
1: Will we start to see that in the numbers in Q4 or is it in Q1 do you think?
2: Uh, we'll be giving guidance to the street um, in our Q4 earnings both in terms of what is the reporting structure of the bank looking like, but it will also be uh, in terms and the financials associated with it but it will also be giving some guidance in terms of what does this particular element of our um, strategy look like from right. headcount and the like.
1: One of the goals must be to increase profitability, to increase return on equity, um, which is about what eight percent on a run rate, which is below your peers. You talked about the headcount, which is up from two hundred thousand or so to two hundred and forty. Is it that you have too many people in compliance and regulatory uh, disciplines, or, or what is going on with the cost structure at the bank?
2: Oh, so we have a number of things that we're we're. Uh, Working on at the moment. Uh, the first piece we're looking at is we're investing in our businesses. So if you think of our services businesses, which I often refer to as a jewel in the crown at City, you know, that's a business where we've been putting cutting edge capabilities, be it our tokenized services, be it what we call Payment Express, that is giving us almost a hundredfold increase in the scale that we can um, support multinational clients in their e-commerce endeavors. So those types of uh, investments are important and they're both in talent and technology, helping drive the revenue story at City second part has been modernizing our infrastructure. Um, And a part of that is also addressing some of the regulatory concerns uh, about underinvestments that we've made over the years in our risk and control environment. So we're modernizing our technology platforms. They've been very fragmented. So we're moving from multiple platforms onto a single platform. We had 20 cash equity platforms. We now have one. Oh, we had uh, a large number of sanctioned platforms, we're moving to one. So an important centralization going on there. And that costs quite a bit of money. Um, and then the investment in our risk and control environment. And I'm delighted to say, finally, we have also been growing. So we've seen some volume growth in there too. But at the end of the day, all of the investments we're making will either drive our revenues or they will be driving the efficiency of the bank and our shareholders will benefit when we begin to bend the expense curve um, next year.
1: You mentioned the global span of the bank um, and globalism is changing. Some people say it's dead. It's not really dead, of course, it's just different. How is Citi poised to take advantage, Mm -hmm. in fact, of Mm -hmm. the new face of globalism, if you will?
2: Well, I I love that question because we we truly find that we are the go-to bank for our clients who have cross-border needs and are operating in different geographies or needing access to global markets. So that could be um, one of our wealth clients. It could be a mid-market company anywhere in the world uh, that is participating in global supply chains or operating cross border. And then our core client base, the very large multinationals and institutions that we serve in one of the 160 markets and often many of them um, that we operate in around the world. And why is this playing to our advantage at the moment? I think we're in a decade long shift to strengthening resiliency. We often say there's an additional S in ESG, which is security. That could be energy security, financial security, cyber security, food security. All of these different areas are converging, and our clients need to help and support managing the greater volatility that they're seeing as the different global lanes change around the world and as some of the risks um, are increasing at the moment. And we're the bank that will help them with the shift in their supply chains because we operate all around the world. We can help them with the volatility they might be seeing or particular risks in an individual geography because we've been in so many of them for a century. We people really do understand them. And so we help connect the world together for the clients, but we also help them manage their resiliency.
1: You've been CEO since March of 2021, coming up on three years. Um, The stock is down a bit Mm -hmm. below this bank stock index. Mm -hmm. Both are below the S&P 500. Why is the bank stock index down and why are you trailing that index a little bit?
2: So I think at the moment there's been quite a few uh, headwinds that have been out there. Um, I know since I became CEO, we've had a, a lot of adjustments we've had to make to the macro environment, two walls that are going on. Uh, we've also seen a lot of regulatory pressures. And I think uh, as we're looking forward into 24, there's still some questions in people's minds about the macro environment, certainly how long the rates are going to be high for and what the impact of that is. And uh, you know, that's certainly seen some people sit on the sidelines in the markets, particularly vis-a-vis the financial sector. And then from City, um, that deliberate path I talked about is one to transform our bank so that we can indeed deliver higher returns for our shareholders. Um, we're not shying away from taking the tough decisions. We're going about this um, at pace Uh, But uh, it does take some time, and I think we've been as transparent and clear to the market in managing expectations. This is a multi-year journey, but we are doing it the right way, um, and we're getting on with it. So I certainly hope we will not be trailing for long.
1: And just to go back into history even further a little bit, I mean, to go back to 2008, 15 years now, and the bank has really lagged that whole time some of the other most of the other institutions have righted themselves to a degree that city hasn't and i know this is not on your watch clearly but what was that all about jane
2: oh that was a 15 years ago is a long time ago so uh, honestly we're, we're much more focused about the path that we're now on getting ourselves into shape we have been quite clear about understanding what are some of the factors that have held us back, like fragmented technology, some of the underinvestment in operations um, and in the control environment, and uh, also low looking forward to where are the revenue opportunities and where is it we're uniquely placed um, mm-hmm. to grow and perform well and be highly competitive for the shareholders. We put the two of them together. That is a strategy refresh. So I think we've been very open-eyed about what's held us up in the past and held us back. And we're just tackling that head on with determination to get it right this time.
1: Fair enough. You mentioned the rate environment, and obviously Mm -hmm. that's been a problem for the banking sector with rates going up. Actually, for your competitors, it seems it's been a bigger problem in terms of unrealized losses on investments. I'm wondering why City has been able to seemingly dodge that bullet. Your exposure there is only a fraction of some of your big competitors. Uh,
2: we've been, I think, appropriately prudent as we look at the balance sheet. It's a raising bright envi- environment that we were in as the rates were going up very quickly. I mean, this was the fastest we've seen rates go up in 40 years in the States. So it's unprecedented, but we manage the balance sheet very carefully. We have a huge amount of liquid assets. We focus very much on operating deposits and operating accounts from our clients, um, which are particularly sticky but we are not complacent about that and we make sure that we hedge our deposits with short-term securities that in a rising rate environment are floating and uh, that's why you've seen us with uh, prudent and appropriate asset liability management. We also don't have a lot of risk on the balance sheet 90% of our credit risk is uh, internationally is now uh, investment grade or with multinational firms Mm. and their subsidiaries. And so that's a very different profile from the period you were talking about before. so I, I feel good about, very good about the capital, about the balance sheet, about the liquidity of the bank. We can focus instead on supporting our customers and our clients in, uh, in what they need us to be doing um, rather than on the bank itself.
1: And just to follow up, what does this higher rate environment mean in terms of the bank's business mix and the p and
2: yeah, so a, a different, certainly a different um, environment than, we, than anybody was expecting a couple of years ago. Uh, what we've seen is therefore our services businesses have performed particularly strongly. So this is uh, businesses supporting cash management, payroll, liquidity needs, collections, and the like for our, our multinational clients. That's, um, and also with the custody that we provide and security services for our investor clients, they've had the benefit of the rates environment, but we've also seen the benefit of uh, very strong underlying growth from core fee drivers um, and the fee business that we do. So that business has benefited from the environment. Um, On the other hand, the investment banking wallet has really been hit. Um, by what's been going on um, and uh, some of the wealth businesses as well on the investment side have had a more adverse environment so our diversified business model has been a great benefit because you've, you've seen some balancing out of that um, and uh, I'm grateful for it It's part of the strategy and it worked.
1: What about commercial real estate, Jane? What is your exposure there like? Yeah.
2: Um, it's not very big. We're, we've never been a big uh, big player in commercial real estate. Um, and remember, though, it's um, some of the areas that are under stress there in Europe and the States tend to be in particular sectors and, in, and within the office space. It's not everything and it's not everywhere. So this is quite a uh, targeted uh targeted areas of uh, stress or potential stress, it's not a, a big part of our strategy.
0: Hey, I'm Jeremy Owens, and I'm the host of On Watch by Market Watch, a new podcast about the financial news we've got our eyes on. Every week, we'll bring you inside the Market Watch newsroom, where our reporters and editors break down the stories that are driving markets and zoom out to explore what those headlines really mean for you and your wallet. Listen to new episodes of On Watch by Market Watch every Thursday. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Let's talk about 2024. Yeah. What do you envision yeah. the Fed doing next year, Jane?
2: I, I think Chairman Powell is going, to be quite, is going to be resolute in making sure that Inflation doesn't spike up on his watch, and so I, I think he's been pretty clear in his messaging. He's going to look at what the data tells him. Um, he's starting to get more and more data now um, because there's quite a lagging effect to some of the measures that have, uh, that have taken place. He'll look at it carefully and he will make sure that he gets down to the 2% target that he set for inflation. We're more than halfway there. Um, sometimes the second half can be a bit harder than the first half, but I think in this instance, we're starting to see the economy doing some of the work now for him in terms of uh, slowing down the demand drivers that have been in place uh, at the earlier part of the the, cur- the rate increase.
1: Are you in the soft landing camp?
2: Uh, I I think our our economists point of view, uh, which I concur with, is it it is when you look at history, it would suggest that the soft landing is going to be hard to achieve. Um, I always say never underestimate um, the uh, power of the U.S. entrepreneur. I would also say never at this moment underestimate the resilience of the U.S. economy. It is proven far more resilient than any of us thought. It's still hard to to land that soft landing. So on balance, um, history would say we'll have a bit, we won't have one. I think it's going to be pretty manageable. The labour market is in good shape. Um, the corporate balance sheets are in good shape. Um, the consumer, whilst uh, we're seeing a few cracks in the lower FICO consumers, um, they again are coming into this slowdown with pretty healthy balance sheets. So uh, I think if we do have one, it will be manageable.
1: We one being hope recession. So. Yes. Didn't say the word, but right, that's yes. what was there. If we do see a recession,
2: <laughs> it will be manageable. Right.
1: And I know you talk mm. to customers very often, yes. what are they saying? How saying when are they about the economy and maybe not only what, what they're saying but what they're doing? What are their actions say, mm. Jane?
2: So if we look at the corporates, I think for a while they were thinking they would sit on the sidelines side and wait for rates to come down. So with rates being higher for longer, we're seeing them bite the bullet much more in the, in the debt markets. So they're going out there, they're biting the bullet on some refinancing hmm. or uh, the investment grade market. And we've seen some more signs of life in the leverage finance market as well. Um, that's I think a good thing. It's been just over seven quarters since we saw the, the changes in rates history if I would suggest that about the seven eight quarter mark you start seeing more signs of life as the uh, the bid ask spread um, starts narrowing pretty rapidly and uh, people adjust their expectations to uh, the new price equilibriums that are out there and we're starting to see that. so I'm not willing to call when we will see the investment banking wallet return. Um, But uh, we are seeing some signs of much more demand and some more activity. And that's encouraging.
1: I want to ask a couple questions about you. But before that, I want to go back to the globalism part Mm. uh, that we talked about in the global footprint of the bank. And you talked about the strength of the bank being global. Yet at the same time, you've been closing, shuttering some global retail businesses. How does that jive with each other? Oh,
2: it's um, it's different. So as we looked at where it is that city's strengths lie, they lie in our ability to serve um, companies and individuals with cross-border needs or needing to tap into global markets. And we're quite unique. Our footprint and the capabilities we have are pretty extraordinary there. We wanted to double down in investing in that space. When we looked at international consumer as opposed to our US consumer franchise, we felt that the right place for us to play in there was in the wealth space mm-hmm. rather than in the branch based banking around the world. It's going digital pretty quickly. And we thought it was in our shareholders best interests to monetize those assets and either invest in the businesses of which we've got real strength in and return any excess capital to our shareholders. And that's what we're doing. So I think it is mm-hmm. a, you know, it's good old dispassionate candid assessment of where do your strengths lie in a changing environment and a changing industry structure and taking decisive action accordingly.
1: All right, about you. How do you measure success on the job, Jane, both qualitatively and quantitatively?
2: Uh Obviously our shareholders are a very important part of that. So our share price, and as I, as we will look over my tenure as a CEO is having taken the hard decisions, having taken the bold actions, have we then delivered on um, the promise of City to our shareholders in terms of higher return. I also look at our clients and make sure that our voice of the client, that we continue being highly relevant and uh, competitive for them and at the, the important cutting edge of innovation for them. I look at our regulators and make sure that they will consider us to have um, addressed the concerns that they've had, again, by taking the harder but important path of uh, putting us onto uh, the right infrastructures and the like, and making the right investments in our control environment, our data, and then finally our people. How are we continuing to provide the careers that will be exciting for our people that they'll want to stay at the bank and that they'll grow and perform to their best abilities. So many stakeholders, I would say their interests converge.
1: And final question. You've always taken the tough jobs in your career <laughs> and never shied away from them. I'm wondering if that's something that you would recommend to young people to do, or is it too risky?
2: Um, I was given great advice one time, which is to have big ears and thick skin. And I think for um, any leader, and so many of our young colleagues want to be leaders in the future, um, that those are two traits that you should be investing in. Um, So excellence is table stakes, but big ears is empathy. Are you listening? Are you listening to the things you don't want to hear? Um, are you listening to the needs of people, your customers, your clients and your people and making sure you're adapting to them? And do you have the resilience to take the tough decisions, take the harder road and the courage and the curiosity to do so? I think those are good uh, good traits for any young person today and to make sure that they, um, you know, they get the most out of all of their own people um, and provide them with a rewarding environment. You can never go wrong if you do that.
1: Jane Fraser, CEO of Citi, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you very much indeed.
1: This is at Barron's, I'm Andy Serwer. We'll catch you next time. The production team for at Barons is Elias Ismailadou, Rebecca Bisdale, Kinga Rojcik, Joe Lusby, and Laura Salaberry. The executive producers are Kristen Bellstrom and Melissa Haggerty.
0: We'll be back with a new episode next week. Hey, I'm Jeremy Owens, and I'm the host of On Watch by MarketWatch, a new podcast about the financial news we've got our eyes on. Every week, we'll bring you inside the Market Watch newsroom, where our reporters and editors break down the stories that are driving markets and zoom out to explore what those headlines really mean for you and your wallet. Listen to new episodes of On Watch by Market Watch every Thursday. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts.